In this episode, I spoke with Kevin, who speaks openly about being diagnosed with autism and Asperger's in his adult life. When his son Logan was diagnosed at three years old with high-functioning autism, Kevin also realised he fit all the criteria too. Due to Kevin not being diagnosed until his later years, he had a lot of trouble growing up and had to work out his own coping strategies. Now he has got himself to a good place, he has turned his past into a positive by now helping others. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's awesome to be chatting to you and, and you know, uh, speak to you a bit more about everything, really. Um, so I, I'm, I'm genuinely really intrigued about this, purely because um, I actually have a very close friend of mine who was recently diagnosed with um, autism and Asperger's as well. And um, so it's just it would just be great to obviously chat to you and just find out about, you know, a bit more about sort of um how you yeah like you know how how you've kind of got to where you are today obviously you mentioned before that you've had your struggles with it um and so yeah so um obviously when you you were you first started out because you uh your you went with your son is that yes yes i've had a couple of struggles throughout life anyway um trouble sometimes uh, i never really understood i felt like it was me against the world. Uh, I always wonder why uh, everything's always against me. Um, and when my son came along, he just, there was traits, certain traits that we kind of thought, hmm, definitely something. Um, so we looked into it and it, it looked very much like he had autism. So when we got in touch with the, the, the doctors and things like that, they were at first, they were trying to wait till he was like five and a half, maybe six years old. But fortunately, one of the playgroup he was in, there was a paediatrician in that group, and she actually said, I think your son's got autism. Uh, which I, we were, I was like, well, that's exactly what we've been thinking as well. So right. we were able to use that information to go back to the doctor and say, a paediatrician's actually noted this, but she's done that off her own back. So... I didn't want to mention her name or anything like that. So they pushed her, pushed Logan through, and the first thing was you, you filled in this form, which you, it's like a tick box, yes or no, does, does your son um, ident identified by using, lining things out, does he like keeping the same routines, does he like things that spin around, and there was lots of different things, or does he like to uh, copy what you say? Um, using the same words because that's called ukulele uh, or where you, you just, they just imitate the, the words because they like the way it sounds on their tongue and when we were ticking it off I said to my partner Laura and she she uh, I said this looks like me this sounds like me when I'm ticking off all these things I could tick every one of them so came to his uh, the day's assessment and the uh, they took, Laura went into the room with Logan. I, I was away with the paediatrician getting questioned. So one person's assessing how Logan has one person wants to assess the information regarding Logan. Mm -hmm. So I was away in the room with a paediatrician, a different one, and uh, another doctor, uh, nurse, sorry. And after the, the questioning session, and um, before she had even gave us the diagnosis for Logan, she actually said, I think you need to go and... Uh, book an appointment to get assessed because uh, you're, you're autistic. She says, you come across and you fill in all the, you go under all the traits um, for autism, which 
was a, was a relief in a way because it kind of thought, well, I didn't want it. It's not a diagnosis as such. It's more just an understanding of why yeah. you feel different. So this was, a, he, he actually got diagnosed when he was three and a half. He was diagnosed on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so I was 32. And six months later, he just fast forwarding a bit. I got diagnosed, I was, uh, I had went through all the processes and I got diagnosed with uh, uh, Asperger's. Some has high functioning autism. They're all under the ASD spectrum. But I'd also had OCD and I also had post-traumatic stress. Those, uh, the OCD, I had built up over time because I used to like certain numbers, which had then got me trapped in certain circumstances. Uh, to the point I've been trapped overnight one time in, in, in my bed, in my bedroom cupboard. I couldn't get out of my cupboard for a whole night because I thought I was going to do something that was going to jeopardise the family. Um, uh, it can sometimes take me a good hour or two just to check downstairs before I go up to my bedroom. And if something's been moved, I have to start again and start the checks again. But I'm getting a lot of recovery and doing a lot of different work to try and help that side of things, that can become really, uh, uh, what would be the word, controlling. It controls your life a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed my son sometimes starting to try and like a certain couple of numbers. So they'll say, oh, I like four, so I'm going to touch something four times. And so I've had to try and describe to him that that is the, the onset and the start of what could become something that controls you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, so... He's always knew that he's had autism as well, and that he's been—he's not like he's—he's he's a wee bit—he's a bit different, or what I like to call it, limited edition. Um, and he—he he likes the fact that I'm the same. We've, we've got, we're different on the spectrum. He's a lot more social than myself, um, okay. but at the same time, there's a lot of traits that we have similarities with. Yeah. Um, but the post-traumatic stress and things—that's due to things. Uh, going back to when I was at primary. Because uh, my mum said to me, like, it never left your hands. So I took that as a, a guarantee. Do not do that, ever. So I used to get bullied, and I would be after school, and it would all punch and hit me, and I would just stand with my hands at my side and take it like a like a punch bag. Because I, 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 I and that's gone back to probably how I was, because I was autistic. My mum said, don't lift your hands. So I just didn't do that. I never once right. lifted my hands. Uh, yeah, yeah. which has then caused, like I'm saying, the post-traumatic stress, things that I can struggle with in uh, big areas and things like that, or uh, even going into the shops, wearing a mask. I can't, I can't wear a mask. Uh, so I've got a lanyard from a doctor allowing me, which is difficult at times because I'm quite a bigger a bigger guy than most people, I'd say. So I, I do think, uh, <laughs> me maybe worrying or panicking, but I always think people must look at me and go, why is he wearing one? Why is he wearing a, uh, one of these things? But I, I, I th- I th- that's why I talk about it so much on my Instagram. So I think it's good to show that no matter what, how big you are or how small you are, uh, what age you are, it's, we can all be affected by uh, mental health. And that's one thing I try and show. Um, for the, and, I, and I talk about my autism. Because you can be diagnosed, some people aren't diagnosed, and they can still be on the spectrum. Um, or they might have a family member that's on the spectrum, like you had mentioned, 
you've got to sit with someone as well. So me being able to show them that you can still live a fulfilling life, mm. even with a diagnosis, I think is very important. But at the same time, I want to show the, the some of the negative side. It's not to be negative such, it's more I want to be open with my audience. Because if I just show all the good things, I think you're just as bad as some of the social media that you see all the rose tinted, this is amazing, this is amazing. And people go, well, how's he never ever upset or why is he never struggling? So yeah. it's good to show that, yes, I do struggle and yes, I do, but then I can come out the other side or I'm trying to come out the other side and hopefully give other people empowerment to be able to do the same. I knew I was different. Uh, I was bored at school, very bored at school. Uh, I'd finish everything first. The uh, kids would try and copy me, things like that. Uh, so I'd tear up my full jaw, my whole jaw. I'd tear it to shreds, and then I would get sent up to the headmasters and things like that. Um, I would do play, we play games in the in the in the in the playground, uh, like bulldog and things like that. But yeah. I was always the last one to get caught because they actually, it felt like it was a life or death game to me because they wouldn't just catch me, they would beat me up. Yeah, right. so I always knew I was different. So my mum sent me to a different high school to try and avoid going to the same school I should have went to and go and carrying on that bullying. Yeah. So when I went to other school, I chose to be different. I chose to grow my hair really long and I wore... A jacket that was multicolored. People thought it was like the technicolor dream coat, um, and I just thought, well, if I'm different and people are going to expect something different from me, I might as well be different and be proud to be different. Definitely. And uh, I think that's just how I've always kind of. I like to be slightly different in some sort of way, but it's difficult now because everybody's got beards. <laughs> Whereas I was always like that from a young age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair play, fair play. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's amazing that you um did you find going to that other school did that help a lot? Like, you know, going sort of breaking away from that old group and that kind of thing. Did that make things easier? It, it did it did make things easier, but there's also other uh harder factors that I didn't uh, have anybody I knew. So you're going to a school that everybody's but then I think that's like people can move to a different area and kids go through that anyway. So it felt a bit like that. I was a new kid at the school, mm. even though we were all in pre- uh, first year S1. It was just this, uh, I was the only one that went from the school on my own. Everybody else from all different schools, primaries, all went to the same secondary school. So I didn't have that social interaction. And it's something that I had struggled with, uh, and I still struggle with to an extent. I think if Laura, my partner, will tell you, or would say that, I get a lot of people that seem to want to be friends with me. But now I don't like having a friend as such. I struggle with friendships. I always think there's an ulterior motive or there's a reason why they want to be friends with me. And it could be something like I go to the gym, so they want to be friends with me because of the gym. But then I don't want to define myself as a gym goer and that's my life because then what I see, it's a way I twist it in my head, I think. Because I then think, well, they're only friends with me because of the gym. So they're using me to be in the same social circle. So I'm turning the the whole equation back and I always try and then work out the reasons why, if that makes sense. Like we've got lizards and things like that. And then you'll have friends that are like, oh, we're into lizards too. But I'm like, well, that's 
that's all fair and well, but do we have other aspects that were socially um, linked or that we can chat about or discuss, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, do you would you say you find it quite hard to kind of like trust people in some ways, um, or definitely, definitely, I've had a, I've, I've uh, I lost a lot of friends uh, after going into high school uh, with a, a previous partner. She she had uh, we just think on we both sides were were didn't work, but she decided that she would get everybody that I thought were friends with me to go against me. So that was another way just to say, well, I was when they done that, I was like, fine, I'll go somewhere else. So I moved out of the area. Um, I also had friends that my my mum and dad got put in hospital uh, because a group a gang decided to attack my little brother. So I got threatened by my life, and the police told me to leave the area. So I had moved out of Fife. I had to move to Dundee and Hayton. So these are different things that's happened through my life that they all add up and they all make me then worry. I, I played on a tree swing. A, a kid took my baseball cap because I'd been in America. I went to put my hand out like, to give it back and he put a chisel right through my hand. And I thought he was one of my friends. So, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> there's just some really bad people in the world. And unfortunately, yeah. I think I've came across a few of them um, and that just makes me then real think or define everybody that there's, there's a possibility that things could go wrong. Mm. Well, it, sound, it sounds like you're surrounded by a great group of people now, which is... Yeah, yeah I've got, I've got, I've got uh, well, my partner Laura um, and the family, they're really understanding. Uh, I, mm. I've had a lot of struggles. Uh, and they've always supported me and Laura's helped me a lot. Some of the medication I was on before was too much to the point that I was taking uh, suspected heart failures and I fell down the stairs in my house and things like that. So Laura had to, out of her own, we sort of worked, she investigated the medications. Some of them were above the pharmaceutical limit, recommended dose. So we reduced them down into a point where it's a just enough mm-hmm. to, to go, to, but yeah. not to the extent it was. Um, and I've got some, dare I say it, <laughs> long-term friends that I have, I've, because of our kids, and our kids are both the same ages, I always, we always see each other every weekend. So they, they are, I, I probably, I do care for them. And I think I kind of see them as like, we're like, uh, I see his kids as uh, my, nep- my, my nieces, even though they're yeah, not, yeah. just because we've knew each other for so, so long. And uh, so, yeah, I probably do have a, a few friendships <laughs> uh, now that uh, they've stood the test of time. I think that's the main thing that has lasted. Then, then you, you start to realise that, yeah, you can go through things, but there is some people that do stick around, but they're very few and far. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so you, you mentioned before that you went on a, you know, a bit of a dark path, you were addicted to like cocaine and uh, used that to kind of like medicate you as it were. Um, what helped you kind of get out of that addiction? You know, you mentioned you were like two years clean now. Um, so yeah, what, what helped you with that? Well, yeah, I was at a bad stage when I was on so much medication, I was always so tired. The doctor was, mm-hmm. came on prescribing me more, my psychiatrist, sorry, was prescribing me more and more. 
um, and I was staying in these heart failures and I was like a zombie all the time. So I wanted something that would pick me up and keep me awake and alert. So the thing you think about or what I, th- I had tried all your pro pluses and everything like that, nothing worked. So I thought I have to try something a wee bit stronger. Um, I didn't have to, so but I did. And I got into taking cocaine um, to the point I was taking over, over an ounce a week. So I was taking uh, 1,500, pounds every week worth of uh, drugs. Uh, and I'll, it was just, a, I lost about a year of my life that I can't recall at all. I can't remember my birthday, my son's birthday, my daughter's or Christmas. It's just all blank. Uh, and sometimes I bring myself down about that, but then I'm, I'm, I'm a better place now. You know, okay. moving forward but yeah, yeah. it just got to the point that I thought it was either I had I had said to Laura that I was going to kill myself I had been taking that much stuff I felt like there was no way out I would I'd sit and cry at the, the mirror looking at myself and things like that thinking you've turned into an addict you've turned into somebody that I despised um, mm-hmm. it's given me another outlook on people I suppose in the sense that Maybe they've caught in a situation as well, and they're trapped. Because I was looking at myself and I say, tomorrow, that's you, you're off it. We can do this. But I'd be back at it. I'd wake up in the morning, it'd be the first thing I'd do. And it was the last thing I'd do at night. And it was just all the time. Um, yeah, that's, so that's it was, the sign of an addiction, isn't it? Like when you just have to do it and you can't yeah. stop. Well, uh, that, I, had, I, had, I had everything planned. I had the chains. Um, I knew where I was going and where, what river I was going to uh, go into. And I was just going to take the chains wrapped around me and I was going to jump off the bridge into it uh, and end it. It was a place that meant, means a lot to me for my family. I've got a lot of good memories from my, my grand and granddad used to take me there. So I felt like it was an appropriate place that I would like to to be my end, end place. And I told Laura that, I, that this was it. This is game over. And, I'm not, I don't want to bring the kids and the family into such a bad place. I don't want their dad to be an addict. I don't want Laura having to deal with something like that. I don't want the family deal with that. And that was the turning point that I said that it was either die or live. And I had to just stop it. And it wasn't coming off. It was a case of stopping it. I had to actually say there was no more, not even a little bit, nothing. Just completely go off it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, now I've had my bad days still, <clears throat> but even when I get bad days now, there's never a day that I think I could go and take a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that there's no urge at all there, um, and I'm quite proud of myself. I'm quite proud yeah, of yeah. Laura, Laura for sticking around, my partner, and uh, my family. Admitting it is probably one of the hardest things you can do, admitting you've got an addiction. Um, it's, admitting you've got mental health is very difficult. See, when I think admitting you've got an addiction is even harder to an extent. I, th- I think the world they're probably going hand in hand, but it's definitely because you see it's, it's seen as such a, a dark place or uh, a dirty thing. And sometimes it's just due to mental health and due to like, you've, t- you've, went, you've taken the wrong course, you've went down the wrong path, yep, yep. and uh, you need that support and help. To get there, and I think a reason that all happened is because I had been on so much medication. My psychiatrist left. 
my psychiatrist, I was meant to get a new one. Is <laughs> a new one? Sounds like it sounds like a new car. But uh, <laughs> my psychiatrist left, and nobody taking over. My my paperwork fell through the net, so I've not had any 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 uh, mental health help since all since that, and up until when I tried to commit suicide last year, um, I I still uh, I'm still off the waiting list. Uh, I'm still sorry. I'm on the wait list, but. I'm uh, number one is what they're saying. They, they were going to because they were going to actually section me. They were going to section me and keep me in, but I had been in a mental institute before, and it was one of the worst times of my life. Too, it, it made me too uh, institutionalized. Mm -hmm. So I came out, and I, I remember my grand and granddad taking me out and taking me to a chip shop, and I could physically hear every single person's breath breathing and it felt like it was pushing me down and down and I had to run out of the, the chip shop um, and I just never want to feel like that again. It's just a very strange and I think it's a place that you need it can help you. But at the same time I think it's got a double edged sword. That mm. you get too much support and you come out and you've got nothing to support you. Yeah. Um, so yeah yeah definitely definitely no no yeah it's, it's it, like you said as well it's very easy to kind of slide into if your mental health isn't isn't you know as it should be i suppose and um it can be quite easy to neglect so what habits and routines and like other things do you do now because you obviously sound like you're in a much better place now so um you know what do you tend to do on like a daily basis to kind of like help you maintain on a daily basis i have to make sure that i get more correct meals when I say correct meals I eat at a constant time or a re relatively constant time yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm and I'm also pre-planning going to the gym spending time with the kids it's important uh, my dogs are very important Basically, I think they are really good for your mental health just spending some time clapping them and giving them cuddles <laughs> it really does help so so much um, yeah. But there's also a need, I know that at some point I may need to take a break. Um, for example, see if I'm chatting to somebody, like I'm chatting to you. Mm -hmm. After it, I might be really exhausted. Um, so I'll end up going for a half an hour, 30 minutes, uh, just for a wee snooze. I call it like a, a reboot in my brain. Sometimes I can wake up and I know I'm in the wrong place or if I'm in the wrong zone. So I'll say to Laura and I'll just say, I'm going to go back to my bed for 20 minutes. And hopefully when I wake up, I'll wake up in a different mood. And as a, it's being able to assess how you are and uh, make changes. And having somebody that supports you and helps you making those changes, I think is important as well. Uh, how I try and describe autism, um, to give you an idea. If I was to say, and it's not to do with colour blindness, this is how I try and describe it. If I see the world and I think, oh, this outcome is going to be orange. And Laura says, no, it's definitely green. Then I have to accept Laura's answer that I can't see the green, but I will go with what Laura says. Mm -hmm. I know it's not, it's just an analogy that I've kind of made up myself about it, but it just tries to break it down in a very simple format that sometimes I'd, I, I won't see the correct or the direct route or the, um, the correct course of action. So it's better just being able to have somebody you can trust um, and rely on. Like, 
that's going to give you those uh, little key pointers and help along the way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, almost having those people to support you is super important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's that's great, and I I agree about the naps as well. Um, I think naps are so underrated. Definitely, definitely. Huh? Super important. Yeah, definitely. It's important not to burn yourself out as well. And I think in this like today's generation, where everyone talks about how hard they work and how hard they hustle and all this kind of stuff, like they forget how much you do actually need to look after yourself. You need to listen to your body, and you need to you know take time out to recover, right? Because um, otherwise, you're just not performing at your best anyway. So, it's, it's very like well, I'll say that to my son. I know that he's been if he's been buzzing, flapping, and he's getting sale really. Uh, so you just go to your room and have twenty minutes or half an hour mm-hmm. and read a book or something like that. And I think, well, if you're going to do that, you've got to do parental to yourself as well sometimes, and and think about it and say, well, what would you do to a child? Would you allow, would you allow them to stay stimulated like that? Uh, probably the adrenals going through the roof, uh, which means that they're going to be exhausted. So just take that little bit of time for yourself and be able to uh, judge it like that. Look at yourself as, as an inner child, in a sense. You yeah. say, take some time out for yourself. If it's asleep or if it's just lying there. Sometimes I don't fall asleep. Sometimes I just lie there and just relax and just yeah. like meditate to an extent. Switch off a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Amazing. Um, and so what advice would you give to someone who's recently sort of been you know, diagnosed with like autism or Asperger's? Um, what, I would, what I would do, what, or what I would suggest is, first of all, there's, there's plenty of nice, um, depending on the age, um, and this can be controversial in a sense. Uh, uh, if I had been my son's age, I would have wanted to know because I think I could have got the, the correct coping strategies. Now, I know there's some parents out there that won't tell their kids at a young age. They just think they're maybe not um, mature enough or things like that. But my son knows and he's proud of the fact. And he, he's done talks at his school about it. Wow. And um, I'm, 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 I'm proud. To, uh, I'm so proud of him. Um, but there's books on that and the kids' ones. But for an adult, it's, it's a little bit different. I think it's going out there and finding... A group like there's one called Autism Rocks Fife, and it's got people, uh, and that are from all different ages, um, and we can collectively meet. At the moment, obviously we can't because of the uh, current COVID restrictions, but being able to go somewhere where you can meet other people, realizing that you're not alone, and even Instagram, social media, and things like that. I think it's important to look out for the ones that are the fake ones, in the sense that, I'm not saying they're fake, they've not got the uh, condition, but the ones that, like I had spoke about earlier, but rose tinted, that'll just make things worse, I think. But finding out people that say, yeah, I do get upset. But it's, it's a happy, it's a, uh, but there's a, a balance, because I've seen some, and all they talk about is the doom and gloom all the time. And that, that again, I think is too much, because you can go down a slippery slope. So it's trying to find some folk that fit your, uh, your feel but I think meeting or getting to know plenty of people that are on the spectrum makes a huge difference and I think if you if you tell people personally the more people I've told the more people I've found out that have had some sort of uh, mental health condition uh, be it autism 
or they've got a family member who's got autism, and then to see that you're not alone is a big one. So you know that you're only going to know if if you're not alone if you speak out yourself, because the other person you're talking to might have it. Have it's not have it. I hate to make it sound like that, but be diagnosed. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking's a big one, and we're all different. We're all so different. Uh, like I say, me and my son were completely different. The people that I've met, some of them are, won't be able to talk. Some people can't talk at all. And there's ones like how I am, they probably wouldn't shut up. So there's different, different sides to everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that helps, hopefully. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a great answer. Um, and so as a, yeah, if, if someone knows someone that has autism or Asperger's, like as like a friend or a family member, like how can they support them best, you know, sort of through that and, and help them? Get to know them. Get to, I think actually people need to know more about, like autism, uh, there's always, I always use the hashtags, like autism awareness. But I think one that's more important than that, and I always leave it as my last hashtag, is autism understanding. Because people can see people taking meltdowns and people, uh, and they say, oh, they've got autism. But they don't understand why. Okay? You see it and you go, oh, that, I'll stick a label on that and that's autistic. Mm-hmm. But then if you ask them, well, do you understand why they're doing that? And the answer is probably no. And I think that's important to get to understand that, that individual and their needs. And ask them if they need help or support or if they just want to chat about it. Or, to, or just say to them, you're really interested. Mm. I think that's the best thing. You show them that you're interested in them and you're interested to find out more. Then hopefully they're going to open up. It's not to say there's anything wrong with it, because there's not. Nothing yeah, wrong with it. But it's just saying you're interested and I want to get to know yeah, a bit yeah. about it from you. Because, and just, I don't, I'd say yourself, for example, you could say, I don't, I don't understand it inside my head. But it'd be nice to understand it from your point mm. because it's like dyslexia to an extent because you yeah. you can maybe able to read but it's being able to understand somebody else that has dyslexia um, and that actually comes under the same umbrella as uh, ASD as well. Really? But, yes, it comes under the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, right. so so you you got well, my brother's got uh, dyslexia and so's my dad, um, and it just it comes under the same umbrella. So somebody else would go. Uh, and somebody else maybe like me autistic yeah very interesting very interesting yeah yeah that that that's a really good point actually of just showing an interest and an understanding um yeah makes makes a lot of sense amazing thank you and um and so what does the future look like for you then you know it's um i know it's, you're certainly using your instagram and your platform for good and you know sharing awareness which is amazing um so have you got any kind of plans for the for the future with that the plans, I just want to keep growing this up. No, followers is not something I've always wanted Wanted to grow. I, got, I started Instagram by, by accident. Um, but uh, I want more people to be aware and understand and just see the quirks or the benefits of getting to know somebody. Um, and another thing is that some, and there's been times when I've been uh, fortunate enough to be uh, given royalties uh, or things like that, depending on what I've uh, helped in an awareness, and I give it to I give every single penny to a charity, to an autistic charity, um, which I, I feel there's more reward out of that than there is of going to work and getting a, a physical income 
And it's, it's more rewarding than actually handing money over to a charity mm-hmm. if you actually have to work for it and they, they get it straight off. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a good one. Uh, and it's something I'll, I'll, I, I, use it, I use Instagram in a sense that it's like a diary. So I can look back on it. And I see the good and I can see the negative bits, but I can see that overall we're moving up the way. We're moving in a good direction. And I just want to continue. Uh, don't want to set too much higher goals because then I think you're you're pushing your it's everybody's oh dream for this. You've got to make yourself you want to get a Lamborghini or you want to do this <laughs> and do that. But I think just being comfortable and uh, I'd say contentment. Mm-hmm. Being able to be content is a is a really uh, one that I've I've started to really take into heart is how content I am. Yeah. Yeah. And uh just see my family grow, see things go that way. And if I can make the world a better place under autism, it's going to help my son. It's going to help all the next generation. And hopefully it'll just help improve. Definitely, definitely. You know, yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. And I think, you know, your values and outlook on it are, are incredible as well. So watching, excited to uh, watch you grow and see what you do next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah thanks so much for coming on thanks so much for the no, no, thank you um, i really appreciate it right. well like i say if there's any anything you ever want or if you've got no someday like you said and never want to speak to me i am always all years and i've said that before on my social media and i do actually get contacted daily by several different people and, and i always make a point of reply because i might be the only person that they speak out to or have asked for help and um, and I, I just want to make that clear that yourself or anybody that watches the video or anybody you know, if they've got any questions about autism, mental health, anything like that, I am always, always uh, uh, there to be to, to, to help answer the question or point something in the right direction if I can. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And for more content, check out our Instagram. I'll see you on the next one.